Are you experiencing some temporal happiness with the air conditioning? (laughs) So I love to collect um, what I call anti-dharma. These are messages that I see out and around in the world, often in airports or airplanes. And um, this is one I found a few years ago. It was an ad in an airport. It said, Market better, sell better, be better, grow faster. And then I don't know what the company was, but anyway. (laughs) Market better, sell better, be better, grow faster. Um, And, you know, actually that's the kind of message we get all the time. This was a marketing thing, obviously, but we tell ourselves this. Market... um, Will you come take this tick outside, Gregorio, please? <laughs> that would be number six. I haven't seen any today. <laughs> Do your tick check later. Um, hmm, that's interesting. Okay. Where was I? <laughs> hmm. It's the kind of messages we tell ourselves, actually. Market better, right? Like, let's make a good presentation. Be better, grow faster. There's this also this um, culture of kind of never-ending self-improvement. Uh, and it, it's, it's actually related to capitalism because people make a lot of money off of it, right? Off of our insecurities and our kind of deeply, deeply conditioned wish to, to belong, and um, metta's the opposite of all of this. It's the opposite of having to improve ourselves. Even on retreat, it's, it's interesting. On retreat, we come across this feeling like we somehow have to um, produce something here, right? Like you need to go home with something that makes you worthy, that makes the time worthy that you can show for all your efforts. It's dukkha, isn't it? Yeah. So it's, it's all this uh, kind of deeply ingrained conditioning. So I've been exploring this quality of metta. Well, I've been meditating for close to 40 years. Actually, it is 40 years. In a, in a couple months, it'll be 40 years. Um, but I've only been exploring metta for 32 because the first eight years of my practice, I wouldn't go anywhere near metta. <laughs> if there was a metta sitting in the hall, I was out of there. Um, so if any of you have that kind of reaction to metta, that's just fine. Um, I think it felt so far from what my heart felt that it felt uh, too big a stretch, you could say, um, So it felt fake to me because it was such a stretch. I was specializing in aversion, (laughs) not metta. (laughs) I was getting really good at understanding aversion. Um, But finally, after a number of years under duress, uh, after eight years, because I was suffering so much and my teacher recommended a metta retreat, I thought, well, I have to do it because I I was stuck. And then... um, Ever since then, I've been exploring metta. And 
I was noticing how we all gave talks on mindfulness, and I'm actually going to give another talk on mindfulness tomorrow. It's like our understanding of mindfulness can still grow after 40 years of practice. And I feel the same way about metta, that we can keep, um, it's like a a jewel, and we can keep exploring different facets and more into the depth of the jewel. And so we each are offering different ways of looking at metta and different ways of looking at mindfulness. And um, I'm going to offer another way tonight. So I want to think about metta from the aspect of unconditional love. So metta is, uh, you don't have to be better. You don't have to grow faster. It's unconditional um, in the sense that we don't have to earn it. We don't have to be, uh, make ourselves worthy. We're worthy just for being, just for being born. <laughs> and when we practice metta, we want to understand this unconditional nature through our whole being, not just um, in the mind, not just in the heart. I, I say down to the level of the cells. I'm really interested in, in having my, helping my cells understand metta. Sometimes I say marinate in metta, <laughs> letting it kind of soak through all levels of our being. Greg and I um, used to practice a lot in Burma. I don't know. I haven't been there for a few years. And... Um, Every once in a while, a smell, and it happened this afternoon, there was a smell of like slight smoke in the air, and it made me think of Burma. And my heart was like, oh, I'd love to go to Burma. Because um, there's a smell, a smoke smell in the air, always there. Anyway, Burma really deeply touches my heart, and um, yeah, it brings out the metta quality. And there's a monk there that we used to visit um, Named that we called him the happy monk. That wasn't his name, but we named him the happy monk because he was so happy. He's probably uh, the happiest being I, I've ever met, <laughs> and um, he lived to be wow in his late nineties and uh, died a few years ago. But one time, my teacher said to him, "You know, tell me about metta," and he just went, "Metta, metta, metta." We didn't need a translator. <laughs> it was just like embodied metta right through the whole body. So part of the unconditional quality of metta is um, unconditional forgiveness, or what I call mercy. It's not a word we use a lot in um, Buddhism. But to me, it's a word that has a, a, a particular heart quality. It points to that um, embracing of all of ourselves, including our imperfections, that it's all embraced in, in a deep um, worthiness and a deep love. So mercy says that even though we're flawed individuals, even though we're imperfect, even though we make mistakes, um, we're worthy of the most unconditional 
uh, love and um, well-wishing. We hope that somehow we can um, find perfection in ourselves and that meditation might be one way of doing that. And um, again, our economic system tells us that perfection's out there. You just haven't acquired it yet, but if you keep trying hard enough, you will. Mercy says um, that you're already held in the deepest love even with all your mistakes. And then um, there's also this unconditional aspect of metta in that um, we don't say that some people are uh, worthy of love and other people aren't. It's um, unconditional in that we... Uh, offer it to all beings everywhere. And so we start with ourselves and easy people, then the neutral, then somewhat difficult, and then outwards, all beings. So there's that two aspects of unconditional. One, it doesn't have to be earned, that kind of unconditional, and then the unconditional in that it's impartial. We don't pick and choose. Of course, it's a practice, right? Because we do have, I say the heart's a feral, like a feral cat. It's very protective. And sometimes it's going to be more protective and kind of, and other times it's going to be cuddly and warm. And what we're really trying to understand through metta practice is um, the complexity of our heart and learn how to hold the, the wild complexity of a human heart with both its capacity to love and also its hesitations and concerns about being open and loving. So we practice sending and receiving metta, and then we, we, we connect with or we notice the places that we hesitate Like you're receiving love, and it's like there's little places inside that go, no, no, (laughs) you you know, we can't go that far. Um, I feel it as like hardness, just a little hardness here and there. It's like, no, no. (laughs) And then we practice, oh, can I soften there? Can I actually let myself be touched by love or mercy? And then we practice sending out, and the heart sometimes is like, Yes, may you be well, may you be happy. And other times the heart is like, well, I'm not so sure about this plan. <laughs> Remember that time you did that? <laughs> or or um, sometimes with a difficult person, our person we find difficult, even saying, well, no, you don't deserve that. Or all range of response. And the whole range is okay. You're exploring your complex heart. Okay, so what I'm going to do is read one story, and then we'll do a little um, meditation together. This story is about mercy. And it comes from a book called Tattoos on the Heart by uh, Father Gregory Boyle, a Jesuit priest. 
uh, an amazing being, one of the most amazing, I think. Um, and in this story, he has just given a, a, a mass, offered a mass in uh, the highlands of Bolivia. And just to acknowledge the history of the Catholic Church in um, Latin America is complex <laughs> and colonialism and all of that. And there are beautiful people doing beautiful things, and they're, they're both true. So we're going to hear about a beautiful person doing beautiful things. So he's just given a mass in Quechua uh, up on the uh, up on the um, the hill up in the mountains, and his uh, friends have gone uh, early, so he has to walk down by himself. He says, "I am alone at the top of this mountain, stuck, not only without a ride, but in stultifying humili- humiliation. I am convinced that a worst priest has never visited this place or walked this earth." So he feels like he gave a, you know, a really bad mass for some reason. And he's dejected and hum- humiliated. With my backpack snug on my shoulder and spirit deflated, I begin to make the long walk down the mountain and back to town. But before I leave the makeshift soccer field that has been our cathedral, an old Quechua campesino, seemingly out of nowhere, makes his way to me. He appears ancient, but I suspect his body has been weathered by work and the burden of an Indian's life. As he nears me, I see he is wearing tethered wool pants with a white-buttoned shirt, greatly frayed at the collar. He has a rope for a belt. His suit coat is coarse and worn. He's wearing uraches, and his feet are caked with Bolivian mud. Any place that a human face can have wrinkles and creases, he has them. He is at least a foot shorter than I am, and he stands right in front of me and says, Tatay. This is Quechua for padrecito, a word packed with cariño, affection, and a charming intimacy. He looks up at me with penetrating weary eyes and says, Tatay, gracias por haber venido. Thanks for having come. I think of something to say, but nothing comes to me, which is just as well, because before I can speak, the old campesino reaches into the pockets of his suit coat and retrieves two fistfuls of multicolored rose petals. He's on the tip of his toes and gestures that I might assist with an inclination of my head. And so he drops the petals over my head, and I'm without words. He digs into his pockets again and manages two more fistfuls of petals. He does this again and again, and the store of red, pink, and yellow rose petals seems infinite. I just stand there and let him do this, staring at my own uraches, now moistened with tears covered with rose petals. Finally, he takes his leave, and I'm left there alone with only the bright aroma of roses. For all the many times I would return to to Tirani and see the same villagers over and over, I never saw this old campesino again. So I think of those rose petals like metta. And uh, sometimes even we can use an image like that of of being blessed with rose petals and and taking it as a form of um, 
love, and mercy. So our plan for the evening is we will uh, start with ourselves and um, see perhaps if we can find a a person or an archetype like Greg said last night um, that can bless us with rose petals. And then um, we'll share with somebody easy. And then at the end... If you want, you can um, take a few minutes. We'll have a few minutes to practice extending metta to somebody uh, difficult. So we call them the difficult person. They're not actually difficult. They're somebody we find difficult, which is different. (laughs) Um, But we call them the difficult person. I recommend you start with somebody easy, maybe somebody who's uh, mildly annoying, or somebody who's usually in an easy category but temporarily has been moved to the difficult category. So we'll have a little time at the end. And, 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 and just I'll mention it then, but perhaps one doorway in is as we know ourselves to have flaws and imperfections, and yet we're still worthy of, of this unconditional mercy, love, Perhaps we can understand that this other person, even with their flaws and their imperfections, are, are also just as worthy as we are. So that might, that'll be our kind of doorway in to practice with. So please do feel comfortable. Uh, yeah, get as comfortable as you like, as you can. might even just start with a few deep breaths just to relax the attention into the body. Perhaps even just appreciating this body for all the hard work. It does amazing things all day long. Walking and breathing and eating and digesting and thinking and smelling and feeling and wow. And even though it doesn't always work perfectly, it's still an amazing uh, gift of life we have through our bodies. Metta developed by moving towards what's good, seeing the inherent goodness, worthiness. So even this reflection might bring some sense of kindness and then we can rest in that, enjoy it. And if this kind of embodied metta feels right, you can continue with it. Or if you wish, you can bring to mind some being, either maybe an archetype like Kuan Yin or 
Jesus or somebody that you have known who has seen the best in you, seen, seen you with eyes of deep love, deep mercy, might be an elder, might be your dog. It might be um, a child who has just seen you as um, so wonderful, maybe has greeted you with um, your name and wide open arms. So we can see this being and see how they look upon us. Maybe see their eyes or face if that comes easily or just a sense of of how they feel about us. Their metta. Their love. And then we can just see, can we receive that? Can that come into our hearts, into our bodies? And it's more a relaxation, a relaxation and receiving. You can't try to do it. (laughs) That doesn't work. But more we relax and let ourselves be touched. Let our hearts be touched. Any place there's uh, resistance, we see, can, can I soften just a little bit? Not a lot, a little. Is it okay to believe in myself so deeply through this reflection from this other being? Maybe we imagine them dropping rose petals on us or some other image that softens our heart. Maybe they are saying the metta phrases to us. Whatever supports.
lose the thread, we come back to the image, the eyes, perhaps the sense of the positive feelings this person or being has for us, their wishes for our deepest happiness, their belief in our unconditional worthiness, phrases, image, whatever supports, re-sparks the metta. Remember that there are no demands on your heart. It's all invitational suggestions. And then we allow the heart to have its journey. We listen to our hearts. Listening as an act of love itself.
If you wish, you can continue with this practice of receiving. It's, it's good to understand deeply what it feels like to rest in metta. And it's also great to share it. So if you'd like to bring to mind somebody who's pretty easy, where the metta flows pretty easily without too many reservations, you can bring this person or being to mind. Maybe the same one or maybe somebody different. Enjoy their delightfulness. Perhaps gaze upon them with deep appreciation for their being, their beingness. Notice if this brings up a sense of friendliness or kindness and sharing that however you'd like, either wordlessly as an energy of the heart, perhaps a phrase of support, the metta. May you be happy and peaceful. safe and protected. May you live with ease and joy. Whatever helps you to connect. Whatever touches your heart with the wish to extend kindness. Any hesitations of the heart that arise, either in the form of trying to hang on in some way, or a worry, or a memory. See if you can soften, soften any hesitations. Coming back to the simplicity friendliness, kindness. May you be happy.
And if you wish, bringing to mind somebody who feels a bit more challenging to you. Somebody a little bit annoying for you. Bringing to mind an image of them. While you might not find them super delightful in the moment, maybe you have in the past and you can remember that or you can know that there are beings who find this person delightful, who see the goodness and the innate worthiness of of this being, this person. We can also remember just as we are stumbling through life as best we can, sometimes making mistakes, this person too is stumbling through life, doing the best they can, sometimes making mistakes. If any sense of kindness arises, enjoy it, share it. Extend it. Or even just offering the phrases, our wholesome thoughts, wholesome wishes, even if there's not a ton of energy behind them, it's still a really beautiful thought and offering. And again, if the heart has a response of hardness, is there some way to just soften it a little bit, relax, relax into it, come back to the phrases? Not demanding anything of our hearts, just exploring, suggesting.
can end our metta meditation tonight by extending this sense of kindness throughout this room to all our fellow yogis, fellow meditators, appreciating our group efforts, our energy as a group, wishing each other well happiness and peace, safety and protection, ease of well-being. And outward to all the beings on this land, the human beings who have served us, supported us, the cooks and the office staff, retreat support, facilities, administration, the birds, the toys, and the robins, the coyotes, and fox, bears, peeping frogs, Ticks, mosquitoes, they're not here yet, they're coming. Ants, chipmunks, squirrels, all the animal beings and the plant beings, the trees, daffodils, crocuses, unseen beings, wishing all well. And then we extend the metta outwards in all directions to all beings, none left out, all included in the kindness of our hearts. May all beings everywhere be happy and peaceful, safe and protected. May all beings everywhere experience well-being and ease. May all know the deepest freedom. And you can end with all beings as radiating outwards, or some people at the end come back to their own heart and body. Whatever feels right to you. So we have some time for walking meditation and then chanting in a half hour. <laughs> 